We are going to be studying from Matthew 19 this morning, so if you would, uh, keep that Bible out that you opened. Turn over a few pages, actually, to Matthew 5. We're going to do a little bit of review from some things we have discussed, and then we will be in Matthew 19 most of our morning. So if you're in the book of Matthew and you have a Bible out, that's excellent, and I certainly would encourage, as I always do, to have a uh, pen and paper down and to take some notes as well as we go through our study this morning from God's Word. We're going to resume our study of the fundamentals, the need for the fundamentals of our discipleship. Uh, We took a break from that in January, as I preached on January 1st, and we studied about the spiritual fight that we are engaged in as we uh, have an adversary of Satan who comes at us like a roaring lion and wants to devour us. And so we learned from that lesson that um, life is going to be hard and it's going to be filled with all sorts of challenges and uh, Satan coming at us and we should not be surprised by that. And in fact, we should be quite okay with it and that God has given us everything that we need to prepare and win that fight. Of course, the, uh, the challenge is for us to put that uh, task to hand and, and get to work and prepare ourselves and be ready. Well, one of the ways that we can certainly prepare ourselves is this need for the fundamentals that we continue to talk about, the rehearsal, the return to the basic principles, the fundamentals of anything. And we uh, last talked about this in October, so it's been a little while, and we were in the section of Matthew 5 where Jesus begins to go into this section and he says five different times, you have heard, but I say. And actually there's a a sixth sixth time where he is going to elaborate on the point where we left off in October about marriage, divorce, uh, adultery. And he says, furthermore, it has been said, but I say. Today's title, Have You Not Read, comes from Matthew 19, when the Pharisees are going to come before him and they are going to test him on this question about what can man get divorced for. And his first and initial response is, Have You Not Read? We made the point that there's a great lesson to be learned from Jesus' statement, You have heard, but I say. And we talked about in pretty good length about what have we heard and where have we heard from? What is the source? And yet this source, Jesus himself, is saying this is what you need to be focused on. And today's title, Have You Not Read, is Jesus making the point about reading God's word. Read it for yourself. Investigate See it, and you will know the answer that you're looking for. So today we will continue to examine what Jesus has to say about marriage, divorce, remarriage, and we'll be focusing on Matthew 19. But before we do that, as I always do, I'm going to take us through a quick review as to how we got here. As I say often, if you miss any of these lessons, certainly would encourage you um, to go back. They're on the website, they're on the podcast, and you can access those and and listen to those if you miss them. If you're interested in the slides for any of these lessons, I'd be glad to share them with you. Um, If you just simply send me a a text or an email, I'd be glad to do that. So this all started with this basic point about the need for fundamentals. And we went 
into great detail in, in each of these lessons, and we gave a lot of references to God's Word, and we're not going to do that now. This is going to be very quick. But as I said, if you want to, to dig deep into this and, and, and go back to them, they're on the, the website. But the point was that we need fundamentals in everything. Everything that we do, everything that we're trying to be successful in, everything that we're trying to grow in, you always return to the fundamental skills that got you there. And you have to spend time in those, and you have to, to rehearse those, and you can't get bored with those, although it can be easy to do. You can easily say, oh, why do I need to, to go to Bible class again and, and study the book of Acts? We've, I've studied that thousands of times, and here we are studying it again. You can never get bored with that. You can have to find a way to, to find a passion and an excitement about that. And I think the key to that is remembering who God is. We made the point in that lesson how often the Bible talks about the mistake that people make and that they would forget God. And by that, we don't mean that, oh, they just completely forgot there was a God. They didn't know there was a God. They didn't know who God was. They didn't know truly what God had done for them. They didn't truly understand the reward. They didn't truly understand the judgment of God. And that's what we mean when we say forgot God. They, they knew there was a God. And yet they wanted to entangle themselves in all sorts of other things and try to serve multiple gods or serve God partially. And we can't do that. We have to remember who God is and what he has done for us. We have to practice or have a relentless work ethic in anything we do we practice it we practice the fundamentals the same is true here and that means daily bible study that means daily prayer that means daily meditation upon god's word that means daily living and serving and so we must uh, be engaged in that every single day so that was the first lesson that got us started then we talked about the beginning we went back to the beginning and what do we learn from the beginning, the, the, the Genesis record? And there's certainly lots of things that we can uh, obtain from that, but we have three points. The first is that God is the creator of all things. And the demonstration of his great power, that he simply spoke these things into existence. Point two was that he made me. He gave me life. He made me in his image. And hopefully that would stir in us a amazing amount of thankfulness and gratitude that he gave me life and that I don't deserve it but yet he still gave that to me and that would hopefully encourage me to want to bring glory to his name every day that I have the third point really was looking at Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and we pointed out from the beginning that we must heed God's words only there's going to be a lot of people in our ear telling us what to do, and that goes back to our titles. What have we heard? Who did we hear it from? What was the source? Was it God? Did God tell me to do this? Because those are the only words that we must be focused on heeding. And we have a responsibility to take them, and to do them, and to do well. And if we do, just as he told Cain, if you just do well, won't you be accepted? Anyone can be saved. Anyone. God opens that door to, to all men. But we have discovered that it is hard to be saved. Because we have to make sacrifice. We have to give up our selfish ambitions. And this was really the main point from our lesson in January about 
fighting the good fight. If you remember what Paul told Timothy, he told him to be like the soldier that endures, that sacrifices, that gives up. He told him to be like the farmer that works hard and is patient. And he said, be like the athlete that follows the rules. All those three engage in things that are difficult and they're hard and they're challenging. But great is that reward. From there we went to Jesus and the early parts of his ministry when he preaches the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And the first thing that he begins with is the Beatitudes. Blessed are the ones that do these things. They're humble. They're caring. They're serving. They're desperate to be like God. They're merciful. They're compassionate. They're always seeking peace and they're going to be persecuted even though they live this way. But what great blessing they will receive. They will go to heaven. They'll be comforted. They'll have a good life. They'll be with God. And they'll be a son of God. I've encouraged us a couple times as we have reviewed the Beatitudes to think about one of these each week. Currently, the last week, I've been thinking about being a peacemaker, seeking peace, praying for that every day, that every opportunity that comes up, I can seek peace. And when things are in trouble and there's turmoil, that I can strive to seek peace and help others have peace in those situations. These are critical. I believe there's a reason Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with these Beatitudes. As we see today in our relationship with our spouse, if we're living a life of Beatitudes, it will solve a lot of the problems we have in our relationships. Then we looked at the similitudes, Matthew 5, 13 to 16, that Jesus says we are to be like salt. We are to be like the light, that we should have flavor and we should be a preserve and we should be noticeable and we should be desired and we should illuminate things. And we also notice in that text that we can lose our flavor or the light can be shut off. And as Christians, we cannot allow that to happen. We have a responsibility to be seen. Then Jesus says in the middle of this in Matthew five seventeen through 20, that he came to fulfill the law not to destroy it. And we said it made sense that Jesus would address this because he's getting into this section where he's going to say, you have heard what I say. And he certainly was not condemning the law of Moses or putting it down or saying it was wrong. He was simply going to improve upon it. And he was going to make it even stronger by pointing out the fact that it's about the heart. And they needed to know that he was not coming to condemn the law of Moses or to destroy it, but simply to fulfill it. At the end of that text, Jesus said, Your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, or you will not go to heaven. And we know the type of righteousness that they were engaged in, the righteousness that they deemed important, that they deemed valuable, that they thought was right, and was not necessarily always in accordance to God's will. From there we began our first lesson of the you have heard but I say. And the first one was about the relationship you have with your brother. Matthew 5, 21 to 26. You shall not murder. Whoever murders is in danger of judgment. That's what you've heard. And Jesus wasn't saying that that's not true. Yeah, it's wrong to murder. And yes, you'll be in danger of judgment. But 
I say that one who is even angry with his brother without cause or says raka or you fool shall also be in danger of judgment and hellfire. So Jesus was teaching that it's even more than the actual action, but it's what's upon the heart. So we made three points in this lesson. These first two points really apply to every time we talk about this statement, you have heard, but I say. Number one is, it is our individual responsibility to know the truth. No one can do that for us. We have to open God's word. We have to study. We have to reach these conclusions. And we're all capable of doing that. God designed us and designed his word that we can understand it. Does that not mean that, oh, some verses are challenging? Of course. And depending on our stage of growth, will we be challenged? Will we need to, to revisit? Will we need to restudy? Will we need help? Of course. But we have the ability to know God's truth. We have to seek it, and we will find it in our efforts to do that. The second point is we will be judged based upon what's in our heart. And this continues to come up in all these statements about, you have heard, but I say. And it will come up again today with our discussion about marriage and, and divorce and remarriage. What is on my heart? I am going to be judged based upon that. And third point from this lesson was that we have to be in a good standing with others, to be in a good standing with God. So if I have anger towards my brother... If my relationship with my brother is not right, and I think I'm just going to ignore that, and I'm going to come in here, and I'm going to worship God, and it's going to be acceptable, God says it won't be acceptable. You need to leave. You need to go take care of that and repair that relationship with your brother first. And then this is where we left off in October with our last lesson from the Sermon on the Mount, from Matthew 5, 27 to 32. Matthew 5, 27 reads, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Point one we made was, is my heart, what's in my heart, is as serious as the actions I commit. So, is the act of adultery sin? Of course. Jesus wasn't saying that committing adultery was was okay. That was sin. But he's taking it further. He's saying it's not just that. It's about your heart. What is in your heart? What are you thinking about? What are you viewing? What are you reading? What are you listening to? What is in my heart? That can condemn me just as much as the action. Then we brought this question up then. Well, can one divorce their spouse for committing Adultery in their heart. Some try to use that argument. Well, Matthew 5.31. Furthermore, as he's continuing his point about this, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So our second point from this lesson was we can only divorce for sexual immorality, the act of sexual immorality. We know that there's a lot of things that can ruin a marriage, that can jeopardize a marriage, that can ruin a family, 
and certainly lusting after a woman and committing adultery in my heart is one of those things. But that is not a reason for me to be able to divorce my spouse. It's the physical action. And we'll see that again brought up today in our study from Matthew 19. The third point that we made from this lesson was that we have to discipline ourselves and tighten ourselves, control, because again, that will affect and can have an effect of us getting to heaven. Um, Jesus, again, was not teaching some sort of uh, self-mutilation. This was making a point that we can lose physical things and give those things up and sacrifice those things, and we should, because heaven is at stake. So we have to put in work. We have to be disciplined. We have to strengthen our self-control. And we have to control what is going on in our heart and in our mind. So that takes us to our study today from Matthew chapter 19. And this question that the Pharisees bring up, is it lawful for a man to divorce for any reason? Now, did the Pharisees know Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount? I'm guessing they probably did. They've heard what Jesus has taught. And Jesus was clear. He was very clear in what we just read in Matthew 5 about what the grounds are for a man to get divorced. But they're going to test him. They're going to try to bring in what Moses allowed and try to test him and trip him up in front of the people. So hopefully you have your Bible open to Matthew 19. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 15 and uh, make three points. I'm going to give you these three points first. And then we'll look at each point a little bit closer. So again, as I say often, there's a lot of points that can be made from Matthew 19. These are just three that I want us to consider for today. And the first two are really about our responsibility in knowing and understanding truth. And knowing and understanding the answer to to any question. And the third is is really Jesus' answer to their question. Can a man divorce for any reason? Cannot divorce except for sexual immorality. There's the answer. The first two are, are, how do we arrive to that answer? Number one, we have to read. Have you not read? Uh, It's our responsibility to read, to investigate, to figure out the answer. Number two, where do we go to get that answer? What's the correct source? Well, we go back to the beginning. We go to the creation. We go to the author and the designer of humans and life and this world. And three, we would follow those rules that were given out. Cannot divorce except for one exception, the act of sexual immorality. Now, can this be a difficult thing to to do, to follow? Well, it's interesting. We're going to see at the end of this text that even Jesus' disciples said, this is hard. In fact, they say, better not to marry. We shouldn't not even get married. And Jesus will have a response to that. But yeah, this is hard. This is difficult. Being a Christian can be difficult, can be hard. And I hope in these recent lessons, including the lesson we had in January about fighting the good fight, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if I'm making the point that I really want to make clearly. But I hope I'm making this point that being a Christian, being a disciple is hard. And hard is not bad. I think in our culture, 
Oh, it shouldn't be hard. I don't want it to be hard. I, I don't want it to be difficult. I want it to be easy. And we, I think, established this in our last lesson, that anything you really want that's good, that's positive, that's worthwhile, it's going to be hard. Everything that is good is on the other side of hard. you got to go through hard and difficult and challenging things. So instead of saying, oh, I don't want it to be hard, we should embrace it. We should face it and overcome it and stop running from it. That's not a reason uh, to give up because something is hard. We teach our children that, right? When they come and they say, oh, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to quit. And what do we do? We encourage them to keep going. No, finish it. It'll make you stronger. It'll make you better. Don't, don't, don't be upset. Don't be disappointed because something's hard or difficult in life. Okay, so let's look at each one of these points a little bit closer. First off, we have the responsibility to read. So, again, without reading the entire text, but just highlighting a few things. Matthew 19, verse 1, Jesus has departed, and we see that there's a multitude following him. And what does he do in verse 2? He heals them, as he often does. He's healing them. He's teaching them. We know Jesus had great compassion, and he cared for the multitudes, and he cared for people. Then, verse 3, the Pharisees come, and it says specifically in the text, testing him, testing him, and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And Jesus responds in verse 4, and he answered and said to them, have you not read? These were the Pharisees. These were supposed to be the people that were knowledgeable of the old law and understood it. And certainly they could go back and they could read it and they could understand it. What Jesus is, is telling them is, you're the leaders and you should know what God has said. And could you not have looked up a, a passage like this in Malachi 2.16, where it says, For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. For it covers one's garments with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. They could have known the answer to this without asking Jesus. They could have read on their own. They could have understood what Malachi said. They could have understood by going back to the beginning what God wanted between the relationship between a man and a woman. So this is our Simple answer as well, when someone asks us a question. How many times have we made a point in our Bible classes or in lessons that when we're teaching someone else, what's a great way to do that? Just open up the Bible and say, read this verse and tell me what it says. Have you not read? When we're struggling, when we're challenged to figure something out, what do we do? Do we go to men? Do we go to other sources? Or do we go to God's Word? Do we study? And are we patient enough to let that process have its way and work? Sometimes we're not. Well, I studied for a day and I didn't get the answer I wanted, and so now I've got to go somewhere else and find the answer. We have to be patient. We have to allow God's Word to have its effect on us. We have to continue to seek out those answers in God's Word. And when we're helping others, what a great way to help them. Have you not read? Look at this passage. For those Christians that have been Christians for a long time, what a blessing you can be to a younger Christian who's challenged, who's struggling, 
is going through something in their life that you know you could open the Bible to a particular passage and say, read this passage. Help this out. Let, let this help you out. Be encouraged by this. We have a responsibility to seek and find the answers ourselves. And when you think about this, we do this in every area of our life. If we're wanting to change our health, our diet, if we want to improve the way we eat, if we want to um, get a better job, buy a new car, buy a home, we research, we read, we investigate, we go to sources that we believe are credible. And so why would we not do the same with our own soul, our own spirituality? We have to be willing to read and to put in that time. And sadly, I have had too many conversations with Christians where it's clear and they admit they don't read the Bible. They come to worship. And they might read along with the class, but they don't ever read on their own. We have to be willing to read God's Word every day. I remember a lesson Rod did years ago, and it was encouraging us to Bible study. And it was just, I think he said five minutes, you know, just five minutes. Just, you know, start small. Don't be overwhelmed by it. But we can all open our Bible for five minutes and read it every day. And I believe as we do that, we'll find ourselves very easily reading more than five minutes. Because we're going to see the effect. We're going to be encouraged. We're going to be uplifted. And we'll find ourselves reading more. But we have to get started. We have to open our Bibles and read every day. Have we not read to find those answers? Point two, where does Jesus say to go for the answers? Go to the beginning. Have you not read in the beginning that he who made them? So it's going back to the beginning, and it's going back to the author and the designer. So what do we read? What's the source? That has to be credible, just like it would if we were researching anything else. We know we have God's word, and we know that's credible, so we have to, to go to that. Um, and as I said a moment ago, we do this with everything else. If we're having car problems, we know where to go. You go to the dealer, you go to the company that created that car. If I have a Ford, I'm not going to go to Toyota and ask them to help me solve problems with a Ford. Okay, I'm going to go to Ford because they're the ones that created and designed this car. I was recently listening to some old clips from a former president, Ronald Reagan. And I came across one that I thought was interesting. He was talking about atheists, and he was basically stating that he just didn't understand the atheist. He didn't understand why there could be so many atheists when you're looking around at this beautiful world and everything that's been created. And then he said, I've often had this desire to gather as many atheists as I could into my home and to serve them the most beautiful and delicious dinner they've ever had. And then at the end say, do you believe there's a cook? And we understand that with everything else in life, but people want to ignore that when it comes to spiritual things. We have a designer and a creator and we have a place to go for our answers. And so we must make sure that we're going to the correct source. And so Jesus says, go to the beginning. Go to the one who made them. And he made them what? Male and female. Not male and male, not female and female. 
male and female. And he designed them to leave their parents and to become one flesh. Genesis 2, verse 24. In Matthew 19, 6, God said, And because of this, what God has joined together, no man should separate. Can these things be hard and difficult? Certainly they can, because we live in a world that is bombarding us with, there's nothing wrong with this type of relationship. There's nothing wrong with this man leaving their wife. But what does the creator and designer say? It's not about what people of the world say. We can follow them and we can take their answers, but we would be ignoring the answer that the creator, our designer, has given us. And he is also the one that will judge us. And our third and final point this morning is the answer to their question. Can one divorce for any reason? The first two points that we made are simply telling us how to find those answers. Read for yourself and make sure you have the correct source. And the third point is the answer to the question. That is no. You cannot divorce for any reason. The only reason, the only exception, is sexual immorality. That wasn't enough for them. Of course, verse 7, they're going to say, well, what about Moses? Why then did he give a command and give a certificate to divorce and put away? And Jesus says, Moses allowed it because of the hardness of your heart. But from the beginning, it was not so. One exception, verse 9, sexual immorality. Then at the end of this, as I, I noted earlier in the lesson, in verse 10, even his own disciples thought, this is too difficult. And they said, it's better not to marry. And in verse 11, Jesus simply replied, all cannot accept this. And at the end of verse 12, he said, he who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So our three points this morning are that we must read on our own. We have to get into God's word and to study and to read and to, to seek out the answers. Second point is that, again, we have to have a credible source and go to the correct source. And that is God and his word. And the third point is this answer to marriage, divorce, or remarriage. And there's only one reason for a man to divorce. It's interesting when you can put away emotion, you can put away bias and all those things and just read the verses for what they say. It's clear and it's understandable. But even Jesus' disciples said, that's hard. So it's not for everyone. Not everyone can accept the teaching of Jesus on this subject or many other subjects. And we know the world will debate in the question and they'll say, do what you want to do. But we know if we want to be accepted, we have to follow what Jesus teaches us. Next time I preach... My goal is to continue in uh, Matthew chapter 5, and there are three more statements about the you have heard, but I say, and he's going to talk about not swearing and making oaths, and the second one is to resist an evil person, and the third one is to love your enemies. So next time I preach, we will be going there, and so I'd encourage you to be reading through the Sermon on the Mount in preparation for that. And as I've continued in several of these lessons, I really would encourage to, to go back to the Beatitudes 
Read the Beatitudes. Think about them. Take one a week. Which one can you work on this week? Which one can you pray about? Where can you read and grow and improve your discipleship to Christ? If you're here this morning and you have not made the decision to be a Christian, you've not been baptized for the remission of your sins, now is a time that is available for you to come forward and we can talk with you about that and and help you with that. If you're here this morning and you just haven't been the disciple that you need to be and you'd like the prayers of this congregation on your behalf, whatever your need be, please come forward now as we stand and sing.